Thank you very much, Ruth Ann. When you think about the message of that song, life, at this time on earth, has its trials, its struggles, as we seek God, as we look to Christ and our living in dependency upon the Holy Spirit. In the ups and downs of life, we can reflect a Christ-likeness. And as we reflect a Christ-likeness in our daily lives, whether we're students, whether we're shopping, whether we're drivers, whether we're on the job, then we can seek to point others to Christ. And in the front of the bulletin each first Sunday of the month, we list schools, we list places of employment to remind us that our day-by-day living were to be ambassadors for Christ, living for his glory, seeking to point others to Christ. As we interact with God's word this morning, we have been discussing manhood, womanhood, fatherhood, motherhood, We've talked about childhood. We talked about resources in Christ. And in all of that, seeking to bring glory to God. Underneath those items is the foundation, the gospel of Christ. Apart from the gospel of Christ, we can't be the men, the women, the mothers, the fathers, the children that God would desire us for his glory. Last week we talked about the gospel of Christ. We want to continue that this morning looking at conviction by the Spirit. A couple questions, a quiz if you please. What can a physically dead person do to have life or to come to life? What can a physically dead person do to have life or to come to life? Tied in with that, what can a spiritually dead person do to experience salvation or reconciliation? Scripture would say nothing. Is there hope for spiritually dead people? I think the answer is yes. The gospel of Christ involves a message, conviction of the Holy Spirit. It involves relationships and also transformation. Last week we discussed the message. It involves a creator God. It involves the fall, the sin, separation. It involves God's grace, that is God pursuing people. And it involves Jesus Christ in his character, his being, his identity, and then his work, his death, his resurrection, and his glory. So the message we present is the message of God, a creator God, a message of humans having sin, fallen away, rebelled against God, a message of God's grace displayed in Christ. But for that message to have an impact upon a dead human, that is a spiritually dead human, 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit must come into place. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. The Gospel of John has a frame at the beginning and at the end. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, and chapter 20, and chapter 21, deal very strongly with who Christ is. He's the Son of God. He is God. And then chapter 119 through the end of chapter 19 are demonstrating that he is who he claimed to be in his miracles, his teaching, and so on. The more immediate context of John 16 is chapters 13 through 17, where Jesus is preparing his disciples when he will not be on the earth. In chapter 13, he demonstrates his love. Washing their feet. Chapter 14, he talks about the coming Holy Spirit. Chapter 15, he talks about the vine and the branches. Chapter 16, again, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 17, we have Christ's prayer. We want to look at verses 5 through 11. Chapter 16, reading together. Now I am going to him, this is Jesus speaking, who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because... Men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now, if you notice in verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The text seems to imply that Jesus has to leave, and then someone is coming, and that someone is the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and that someone is very great, very mighty, very powerful, and it's going to be for the good of the disciples. And we know that we have the Spirit living within us today also. So as you think about Christ leaving, and you think about the disciples, that was good. We say, Christ isn't going to be here anymore in person. They could have said that. But he says, if I don't leave, the counselor will not come. Don't underestimate the Spirit of God, whether it be in the ministry to disciples or to us today. But he says, in verse 8, then, when he comes, he will convince the world of guilt 
and so on. The word convict is to tell someone that he or she is wrong due to violating a final authority. So the Spirit is saying to someone, you're wrong. It's kind of like the driver being shown from the law that they ran the stop sign. You know, you're wrong. You're convicted. And in the text, who is convicted? The text says the worlds are convicted, or the world is convicted. Who is the world? Humans who do not have a relationship with God through Christ. So the message of the gospel, the Spirit uses to convict, to show the world, humans that don't have a relationship with God, that they're guilty. Now notice the text says he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. The word sin here basically means missing the mark or the point of life, which is a relationship with God. Now think about people in your sphere of influence. They miss the mark of life, which is a relationship with God. They miss the point of life, which is a relationship with God. The average person you meet is not really that eager to know God. They're not really that interested. They will pursue money. They'll pursue status. They'll pursue success. They'll accumulate things. They'll pursue sex. But each time they find that they climb the ladder and it's against the wrong wall. Each time they pursue water in a well, but when they get the well drilled, they find that there's no water. Because the point of life is a relationship with God through Christ. Why must the Spirit convict unbelievers of missing the point of life? Because they do not believe in Christ. The unbeliever has the inability to put together their sin and that Christ is the one who can give life and deal with their sin. They can't put the two together. They're not able. The Spirit must convict. So the Spirit convicts the unbeliever who does not believe in Christ, has an inability to put together Christ in their sin. So the unbeliever must be convicted by the Spirit that they're missing the mark of life. That's the work of the Spirit. The text also says that he will convict of righteousness. That involves the unbeliever, the sinful human, understanding that he or she is dealing with a righteous God, not human standards. See, we humans, unbelieving humans, tend to think, oh, we're just dealing with human standards, you know, and get away with it and so on. And no, we're dealing with a righteous God, not human standards. Also, convicting that there is a righteousness from God available through Christ. 
dealing with a righteous God, you miss the point of life. But the Spirit of God also saying there is a righteousness available from God through Christ. Now why must they be convicted of righteousness? The text says, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Why must the Spirit convict? Because Christ is not on the earth. He was a righteous standard. He let people know that there was a righteousness available, but he is no longer present. So the Spirit now must convict unbelievers that they're dealing with a righteous God, not human standards. There is a righteousness available through Christ. The text goes on. He says that the Spirit will also convict in relation to judgment. The idea of judgment is that a decision has been made. Sin must be condemned. Decisions already made. Sin must be condemned. It is condemned. The Spirit convicts the unbeliever of that. That no spirit must, or the, I'm sorry, sin must be condemned. So that the unbeliever knows that sin will result in a sentence. If I'm under sin, then I'm under a sentence. Because God has judged sin. The unbeliever also knowing that apart from Christ, there is a sentence. I don't respond to Christ, there's a sentence, there's judgment. But understanding also that in Christ, there is victory over sin. See, the Spirit must deal with the unbeliever in relation to that. That sin will result in a sentence. Apart from Christ, there is a sentence, but in Christ, there is victory. Now, what does the text say? In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The prince of this world, Satan, has already been judged. And if you yield to Satan, you'll be judged. And according to Ephesians chapter 2, unbelievers yield to Satan. They walk according to the God of this world. So Satan has been judged. Who else is going to be judged? Those who are his children. Unbelievers. So the Spirit is saying, look, sin must be judged. There is a sentence. And apart from Christ, there is a sentence. And because Satan has been judged, you too will be judged for your sin. See, that's the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. See, conviction is by the Spirit, not methods, not programs, not entertainment, not music. It's through the Spirit. Those items may be used, but it's through the Spirit's conviction. And the Holy Spirit uses the message 
of the gospel of Christ. See, I can't convict someone of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Only the Spirit can do that. You can't convict someone. No method can convict. We say, well, we've got to get unbelievers. We've got to reach unbelievers. Yes, with the gospel. It's what the Spirit uses to convict. You say, if we can just entertain unbelievers in some way, we might be able to get through to them. The gospel. The Holy Spirit convicts as the message of the gospel is shared. Remember, the message involves a creator God. It involves a fall, sin, and separation. It involves God's grace, and it involves Jesus Christ. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 and verse 16. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Turn over to chapter 3 and verse 21. Chapter 3 and verse 21 of Romans But now a righteousness from God, this is after explaining that humans are given to sin, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Beforehand, I think, is referring to before the cross. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. We're dealing with the gospel. We're dealing with Christ. We're dealing with the message of a creator God. A fall, sin, and separation. God in his grace provided Christ so that it can be just. And the justifier. But the Spirit of God must convict if that is to be a reality. See, God in his justice placed a sentence on sin, and that is death. And then he turns around and in his love and grace sends Christ. 
to die in our place so that he can justify, declare righteous, the believing sinner and remain just. Years ago, the mayor of, La of uh, New York City, Mayor LaGuardia, sat in on the evening court. He liked to do that occasionally just to keep in touch with people. And brought before him was a man who stole some bread, a beggar who stole some bread just to maintain his life. And Mayor LaGuardia said, the law is the law. You will be fined $10. <laughs> That's justice. You will be fined $10. The man did not have two cents to rub together. Mayor LaGuardia reached into his pocket, pulled out his wallet, took out $10, and said to the man, here's the $10, pay your fine. The man paid his fine. God says, I'm just. There's a penalty for sin, death. Then he turns around and gives his own son as the penalty for our sin so that through faith we can have a relationship with God. It's the Spirit of God that convicts and draws the world to himself. It's the Spirit of God that convicts so that there can be repentance a turning from self-effort, a turning from I can do. You can go anywhere you want in this valley and you can talk to people about eternal things and you can say, how can you know you have a relationship with God? How can you know where you're going to spend eternity? And most of the time they will say, well, I did or I do. I've heard that repeatedly, dozens and dozens of times over the year. Well, I did, or I'm doing, or I hope. But it all depends upon what they do. The Spirit of God convicts of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, that there is a substitute. I'm going to turn from myself, my self-effort, trust in what I can do. and turn to Christ. Turn to, I can't. What can I do to have a relationship with God? Nothing. Will you say, have faith? We'll discuss that some tonight. But can a dead person have faith? The Spirit of God must work. Turning from self-effort, I can, to a substitute, someone in my place. And then faith. A dependency, a rest, a relying on Christ. It's a radical dependency because I can do nothing it's only through Christ. It all depends on Christ.
the message of the cross. He is used by the Spirit of God to bring conviction and draw people to repentance and faith. To understand that they can't, but Christ can. That's the message. But for it to be applied to those people who are saying, I can, I'm able, the Spirit of God must convict. I've been asked already, Dan, when you stand before God, and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What are you going to say? And I don't know if it'll happen like that. But my simple answer would be Christ. He's my substitute. I deserve death. I deserve separation. But in grace, your spirit convicted me and drew me under yourself. See, that becomes the basis for manhood, womanhood, fatherhood, motherhood, childhood. Because in Christ, we have life. I would pose a question. Do you have that life? Have you repented of sin? Have you repented of trust in self? And have you come to faith in Christ? If not, why not trust him today? Then I would pose another question for those of us who may claim to be believers and are believers. As we live in our world and we seek to share Christ with others, it doesn't depend upon our ability. How well we present the gospel or how well we talk about God as creator or how well we discuss sin. It's dependent upon Christ and then the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll let the pastor talk to that unbeliever about God and sin and grace in Christ. No, why don't you? If you come to Christ, can't you tell someone else about Christ? Can't you tell someone else about the creator God and sin? It's the spirit who does a conviction, not how polished you are. And it is also freeing to understand that we're not responsible for bringing people to Christ. Remember some years ago, I had a funeral. I knew the man. And I think it's one of the few funerals that I have that I think every person at the funeral was a non-believer, convinced that they were a non-believer. I discussed God as creator. I discussed sin. I discussed God's grace. I discussed Christ and what he did and tied that all in with death and the person that had passed away.
And I said, you know, if you want to talk about Christ and how to have a relationship with God, see me afterwards or at the meal. I'll be more than happy to talk to you. No one came up to talk to me. I could walk away from that without feeling I failed because it's not my job to convict. It's the Spirit of God. We're to be faithful. And that stands in contrast to another funeral that I had some 15 years ago. I again spoke on a different issue than, you know, creation and so on. And a guy came up to me afterward and, you know, just thanked me for sharing concerning his Anne in that case. And he went on his way. About three years later, I had another funeral for someone in that family. And that same man was present. And he came up to me afterward and he said, I just want you to know, if you remember, I was at a funeral you know, about three years ago for so-and-so. I said, yes, I remember. I said, I want you to know I came to Christ between that funeral and this funeral. And part of the reason I came to Christ is because of something you said at the first funeral. But see, that's still the Spirit's work. It's not mine. We're to be faithful. But the Spirit who does is the one who does the work. It's not our great presentations. It's not our great programs. It's not anything else. It's the message of a creator God. Sin, separation, the fall. God's grace, and in God's grace, pursuing humans, sending Christ. Christ in his identity, character, and being as the Son of God died, rose again, and is in glory so that there can be life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the message of the gospel of Christ. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure many of us are believers. The conviction that brought us unto Christ. And we want to be faithful in sharing with others. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.